welcome to this week's episode of The Wow, the podcast that will help you navigate your way through the world of adulthood and the uncontrollable forces of womanhood. If you are new here, then hello, I'm Georgina Beasley, your host. And in today's episode, I speak with the wonderful Dr. Kavya Shiganti. Kavya is just an amazing women's health GP, and she is here to debunk all those myths and answer all your questions surrounding hormonal contraception. We do mainly focus on the pill, but she answers some of your burning questions about how the pill works, what are the pros and cons, why you should maybe consider it or consider going on it, and what the best practice is when you do think that you might want to go on some form of hormonal contraception and how you should go about that. I really love today's episode, so I hope you do too. If you do, I would love it if you clicked subscribe, if you're on Apple Podcasts, follow if you're on Spotify, or leave a review. (laughs) That would also be great. Otherwise, share it with your friends. Tell everyone about it. That would also be fantastic. And if you haven't already, you better come follow us on Instagram at thewowpodcast underscore. Good morning, Kavya, and welcome back to the WOW podcast. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me back. (laughs) It is such a delight to get you on again to share your wonderful knowledge with our listeners today. But before we dive straight in, I'd like to start by acknowledging the Ngunnawal people, the traditional custodians of the land I reside on, and the Dagra and Gurundagai people of the country Kavya resides on. I pay my respects. To their elders past, present and emerging. And I extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander listeners here today. So Kavya, how are you? I've been good. I've had some time off work and then I've started back at work, which has been really nice. And yeah, it's great to be back to talk about more women's health. Absolutely. Well, for those who haven't listened to our first episode, I will link that in the show notes. But would you like to fill everyone in with a little bit of background about yourself? Yeah, well, um, my name's Kavya. I'm a doctor working in the community in general practice um, in Sydney. And I also have a special interest in women's health um, and have some extra qualifications in this area. So I see lots of female patients to talk about pregnancy, contraception, menopause, um, all the women's health issues. So, um, yeah, I like dedicating a good chunk of my consultations to education. So I'm happy to be on here to do some more of that. And I think that's so important. Um, We're chatting about hormonal contraception today, and I'm really excited to get you on to to chat about this because I think it's quite an interesting topic, you know, some women, their pathway to hormonal contraception will start at a very young age. And and when you're 13, 14, you don't know enough about it to really understand, you know, it, you just trust the, the older people in your presence that going on, whatever you're going on is going to be the right thing for you. And so I think as we get to this, this age of in our 20s and we've been on it for a couple of years, we start to question 
hang on, I actually don't know enough about this and maybe I should know a little bit about the the pills that I'm putting into my body or the IUD or the rod that I've got in my arm and, and those types of things. I think we begin to question and want to make sure that, that we are happy and that we do have the knowledge surrounding what we're putting in our bodies. Um, so that's why I'm just so excited to, to get your, your knowledge about this area. So to start off with, when and why should women consider going on hormone, hormonal contraception? Um, there's lots of reasons. I think the main thing people think of when they hear hormonal contraception is um, that it's for preventing pregnancy. And that's certainly a really common reason for women to use these options. Um, but um, contraceptives can be really helpful for lots of reasons other than that. Um, so we can use the pill or other options to treat heavy or painful periods, to treat PMS, um, acne, um, just to plan our life so we don't have a period, you know, for an important event or a holiday, lots of reasons. So um, I think around the time you're becoming sexually active or ideally before that would be the perfect time to talk to your doctor about contraception. Um, or even if you're not sexually active, if you're having trouble with heavy periods, painful periods, terrible acne, you know, any of these things, PMS, then that's also a good time to talk to your GP. Mm, absolutely. This next question is a bit of a big one, but I will just ask you to, to, to list them and, and name one point of difference. But I was wondering if you could share with us what are the different hormonal contraceptives available to women currently and, and how they slightly differ to one another? Mm-hmm. Um, so just to quickly mention the non-hormonal options, we've um, got abstinence, which, um, which some people prefer. And then there's condoms, which are really important, and the copper IUD, which you might have heard of as well. Mm-hmm. And then going on to the hormonal options, we've got lots of different types of pills. So I split pills into two categories. So the first category is the combined um, oral contraceptive pills. So they contain estrogen and progesterone. Mm-hmm. And then there's the mini pill, which contains progesterone only. And we've got lots of different types of the combined pill, which we can use um, for different things and to treat, treat different symptoms. And then the other combined kind of option that we have that has estrogen and progesterone is the NuvaRing, which a lot of women haven't heard of, but essentially it's a little um, ring that goes up into the vagina and sits near the cervix, kind of like a tampon. Mm -hmm. Um, And that can be a good option if you want the estrogen and progesterone method, but you're not good at remembering to take a pill every day. And then there's a few more um, progesterone only options. So one is the contraceptive injection, which we call um, Depo-Provera, and that's a three monthly injection. And then there's the Implanon, or some people call it the rod, which sits just under the skin um, on the inside of your arm. And then there's the IUD. So we've got two types now. One is called the Mirena and the other one's called Kylena. Um, and they both sit inside the uterus. So just to quickly talk about the pill, basically it stops ovulation. So it stops the ovary releasing an egg. And the other way that it works is it um, thickens the mucus in the cervix. So it's really hard for sperm to enter. Um, and yeah, that's how it works in preventing pregnancy. Mm, right. And I think if, if you're wanting more detail on any of these contraceptions, I mean, if you've heard of the Nuva Ring today and it's your first time and you're wanting more information, obviously go speak to your doctor. Um, we will be predominantly focusing on the pill. 
It's really interesting. Kavya, is there hormonal contraception for men at all? Because I feel like there's obviously just this wide range for women and that's great. We have plenty of options, but it would be great if the men had something. Is that possible or is that just not, we're not there yet? Look, it might might be um, something in our future, but at this stage, no, there is no hormonal methods um, for men. Um, there are more permanent methods like um, a vasectomy, but obviously that's not something reversible and that's, you know, quite a permanent decision to make. Um, mm. But, yeah, all falls, falls on the women at this stage to, oh. to prevent <laughs> Lucky us. Well, we'll dive into some questions from the listeners. They had many. So I've picked out the top ones for you today. The first one is from Claire, and Claire would like to know, Will being on the pill for a long time cause any long-term harm? This was one that came up for a lot of women and a lot of them were wondering the long-term side effects and whether or not it would affect pregnancy at all. It's mm, a really good um, question. Um, very understandable for women to have that concern. The short answer is overall there is no significant long-term adverse effects from the pill. Um, there is no long-term impact on fertility. There are some short-term side effects and possible risks, which we can go over, um, but long-term there's no um, kind of long-lasting effects that will affect you, you know, if years after you've stopped the pill. Mm-hmm. So short-term side effects, which I think we're going over in segment two, we'll discuss a little bit later, um, but risks, there is a short-term slight increase in the risk of clots. And some studies say there's a short-term slight increase in the risk of breast cancer. Um, And about 1% of patients can experience mood disturbance or depressive type symptoms. But um, yeah, long-lasting side effects, there's nothing. All of these risks subside um, pretty soon after we stop the pill. Mm, That's good to know. Tibi is wondering, is recording your temperature the only way to track your menstrual cycle when you're on the IUD? Mm. Um, well, the IUD stops some women from ovulating, but not mm. all women. So the women that are still ovulating will still get some cyclical symptoms like um, breast tenderness or PMS. So you could track your temperature to see um, if you have that slight dip in your basal body temperature right before ovulation. But you have to do that quite carefully for it to be accurate. So you need to check your temperature as soon as you wake up and before you get out of bed. Um, and around the same time each day. But I don't know what you would kind of benefit from tracking your cycle. If if there's any particular need to do it, we would be telling telling everyone to track your temperature every day. But yeah, don't really see, um, you know, a clear reason for that. Mm. Maddie has sent in, is there a link between the pill and digestive issues? Yeah, there can be. So our hormones do have an impact on our digestive system. Um, and lots of women will know the concept of period poo. So our progesterone levels go <laughs> All up. too um, well. <laughs> I know. <laughs> our progesterone levels go up before we get our period. And this can cause um, constipation, but more often diarrhea when your period starts or during your period. So yes, using hormonal contraception where they're is a change to the usual hormonal pattern can cause some gastrointestinal side effects for some women. So the most common symptom will be nausea or bloating. Um, But often we find that this tends to subside after the first few weeks of using the pill. Mm. But yeah, there will be a small handful of women 
where this can persist and they can talk to their doctor about alternative options. Yeah. So is, is there any way to counteract that or is that just something that if that's really heavily affecting you, then, then maybe it's not the right pill for you? There's not really a real way to counteract it. I mean, we kind of just have to trial it and see see how the pill works for you. And if it's a mm. side effect that hasn't subsided in the first, you know, few cycles, then it might be worth looking at stopping the pill or, you know, trying a different option. But um, also chatting to your doctor about if there's any other reason why you're getting these side effects. So if you're having digestive issues like pain, bloating, change in your bowel habits, then make sure you rule out other causes as well, like IBS or, you know, there's lots of other reasons that could be causing these symptoms. So that needs to be assessed properly. Mm-hmm. Zaley has asked, is it safe to be on the IUD as well as taking the pill to treat endo? This was something my gynecologist, my gyne- gynecologic, oh my God. <laughs> words this morning my gynecologic oh my god my gynecologicus no I'm not even saying it right how do you say it Kavya <laughs> gynecologist gynecologist oh my god it's so funny because I like I have endo as well so I see them all the time and it just it completely lost me on that okay is it safe to be on the IUD as well as taking the pill to treat en- endo this was something my gynecologist prescribed I've done it <laughs> Um, so yeah this is something we occasionally see um, where two types of hormonal contraception methods are required to manage someone's symptoms the good thing about the IUD is it works very much locally and there's very little systemic absorption so if we do need to use the pill on top of that um, as a method we can you know that's something we can utilize to manage someone's symptoms and actually you've probably heard that the Mirena can cause irregular bleeding or spotting in the first three months in particular. And if a patient's finding this particularly bothersome, we can actually use the pill in that first three months to kind of manage that those symptoms. So yeah, we often do use it as a short-term measure if it's safe for that person to have the pill. But yeah, occasionally they'll need to use it longer term as well if they have quite severe symptoms. Mm, but there's no long-term repercussions of, of having using double methods of contraception. Generally not. And, you know, I'm sure her specialist has gone through all of that in detail with her pros and cons Mm. and, you know, weighing up risk versus benefit. Mm. Okay, good to know. Finally, Meg would like to know, does the marina cause hormonal acne? Look, knowing that the marina works very much locally and has very little systemic absorption, like I said, I would not expect this to be an issue. And in practice, I haven't um, seen this to be an issue that's affected my patients. However, if we look at the product information leaflet for the marina, acne is listed as a possible side effect in up to 1% to 10% of patients. But we also need to keep in mind that acne can be caused by lots of other factors like polycystic ovarian syndrome or terrible skin care. Or if you're switching from the pill to the IUD, maybe the pill has been helping to treat your acne and now we've taken that away when you've switched to a different method. So, yeah. And if you're thinking of using the marina as a method to treat your acne, then it's probably not the best of the options we have available. But, yeah, sometimes um, we just need to go through all the options and do a little bit of trial and error until we find something that works best for you. All right. Moving on, would you mind sharing with us some of the positives of going on the pill as a hormonal contraception? Mm-hmm. So number one, as we know, is it helps to prevent unwanted pregnancy. 
Um, and that can be really empowering for women and we shouldn't underestimate that. So our ability to plan and prevent pregnancy directly impacts our physical and mental health, um, particularly mm. in the developing world where they have you know, poorer health in general and less access to things like antenatal care. It actually helps to prevent up to one third of maternal deaths. So that's a really, really important reason wow. in one of the you know, most powerful um, medical interventions worldwide. And sorry, just on that, before we go on to the next one, um, what is the success rate? So I know there's obviously, obviously it's not 100% safe. There is going to be a little bit of um, variables in there depending on if you're taking it at the same time every day and so forth. So, yeah, what, where does that percentage lie? So um, if you use it absolutely perfectly, so taking it at a similar time each day, you know, if you miss a pill, you follow the seven-day rule where you use condoms or some extra contraception for the next seven days. And um, if you have vomiting or diarrhea or gastro or whatever, you treat those like a missed pill and you follow the same rules. And, you know, if you do everything perfectly, it's 99.7% effective. Um, however, with real life or typical use where women often forget it or they might have had some diarrhea and didn't realise that their pill wasn't absorbed properly, etc., it's said to be about 91% effective. So that mm. means around one in 10 patients per year who are on the pill can get pregnant. Okay, interesting. Sorry to interrupt you, but you can continue with your positives. <laughs> yeah, so other positives of the pill, so it can help to make your periods lighter and also the flow on effects from that. So if you're having heavy blood loss all the time, then you might get iron deficiency anemia and poor mood and tiredness and all of those things. So um, yeah, it helps to make your periods lighter. Um, it can help to make your periods less painful so we can function better and do the things that we want to do. It can help to manage acne and some pills are a bit better at doing this than others. Um, it can help to manage PMS and PMDD. Um, and it also reduces our risk of endometrial cancer, ovarian cancer and bowel cancer, um, which is one that people don't often hear about. And it can help to make bleeding more predictable and allows us to plan around important events or holidays or you know, a wedding or whatever you need to. Mm -hmm. And what about some of the side effects that we should be aware of before, you know, deciding that we want to go down the path of taking the pill? Mm -hmm. So the most women feel very normal and well on the pill, um, but that can cause some mild side effects like nausea or breast tenderness. Usually this is just in the beginning and most women find that this subsides after the first month or two. Um, as I said earlier, one to 2% of patients can get mood disturbance or depression type symptoms. This is more likely to occur in the adolescent age group or those with um, predisposing risk factors, like if they've previously had depression or anxiety. Um, a very small handful of women can get decreased libido um, headaches and a small handful of women can get melasma, which is that brown pigmentation on the skin um, from the estrogen component of the pill. Um, and then you might have heard about the breast cancer risk. So some studies actually show that there's no significant difference in breast cancer rates in people that have been on the pill compared to people that have never have. But other studies show that there is a very slight increase in the risk of breast cancer. 
And then to dispel a couple of common myths, it does not cause weight gain and it does not impact your long-term fertility. Oh, wow. It does not cause weight gain. Yeah. So um, when we look at the you know, data, we're talking huge numbers um, of data where mm. we've looked at lots of women on the pill. We found that it, there is no significant um, difference in weight in women on the pill compared to those who aren't. Um, and again, we need to remember there's loads of different reasons why women can gain weight, um, your diet, um, you know, your the health of your thyroid gland, um, exercise, stress, mood, you know, all sorts of things can impact, you know, weight fluctuations. So when we mm. consider all those factors and look at large numbers of data, it doesn't appear to cause weight gain. Wow, that's so interesting. I, that's that's one myth I, I wasn't quite aware of was actually false. Um, obviously, though, with both of these uh, side effects and the positives of going on the pill, do consult with your GP before taking all of this advice um, on board because this is just general advice and it does not take into account your personal situation or needs. So do speak to um, a professional first. Kavya is just kindly sharing um, with us the the educational aspect so we can all be more informed but um, this is not personal advice and should not be taken in that way so Kavya if we've listened to this now and we're like okay look maybe I was a little bit hesitant to go on the pill and now I'm thinking maybe there is a hormonal contraception out there that I do want to give it a go or or see what it's like for me and my body what process should women undertake in terms of finding the right contraception for them I mean obviously what type of GP do they need to see do they need to get their hormones tested I mean there's a lot of I feel like there's a lot of different things people say and suggest um, but I'd love to know what you recommend in this area Mm. Um, Well, GPs do learn about contraception in their specialty training. So you should be able to see your regular GP for contraceptive advice. Um, But if you're finding that you're not getting the kind of thorough advice and discussion that you're after, you can look for a GP with a special interest in women's health by browsing the like about section of your clinic's website. So some GPs might um, have a certificate in women's health or a diploma in obstetrics, which will be listed in the information on the website. So you can keep an eye out for that. Um, or your GP can also refer you to a gynecologist if you've tried a few options and they're not working well for you. Or you can also attend a family planning clinic, which is often run by GPs with a special interest in women's health. Um, and then in terms of should we get our hormones tested, Generally, no. Um, So often the um, results that we get don't change our management in any way. So we don't really benefit from testing hormones in a lot of situations, but there will be a small handful of situations where, um, you know, testing hormones is required. So if we're suspecting a diagnosis of polycystic ovarian syndrome, we might look for high levels of androgens like testosterone or um, thyroid function, for example, can be a reason why periods disappear or become heavier. Um, so if you know, a patient's having trouble with that, we might check their thyroid hormone levels. Um, mm. But as a general rule, we, we don't routinely order hormone levels because they're not particularly helpful for most women. Mm. If there's women out there that 
might not feel comfortable with going on like a, a permanent form of contraception to handle their signs and symptoms. Is there ways of dealing with, I guess, repercussions of the female body in but a less permanent way than rather than going on, on a pill or going on the IUD or the, the implanon? There are lots of non-hormonal options to treat symptoms like heavy periods or painful periods. So we can go through all of those with you. Um, and, and we do that in, in practice as well. We often try non-hormonal methods um, for lots of patients before we move on to the pill. Um, mm. yeah, we just sort of tell you all the options, discuss the pros and cons of each one, and you know, the patient will decide which one you know, they think is best for them. Okay, fantastic. That's good to know. So, Kavya, would you mind recommending three tips when finding the right contraception for you? Mm-hmm. Um, so number one, get your information from the right place. So your GP or gynecologist, um, or if you're looking online, go to a trustworthy website like Family Planning New South Wales rather than a random blog or you know a social media influencer with no health qualifications. And even for younger people or teenagers, you can see your GP and they will respect your confidentiality. So don't be afraid to go to the doctor to get contraception. And um, we're not going to tell your parents. And if it is your doctor that you've been seeing as a family since you're a child, just remember to update your phone number so we don't, you know, accidentally call you, call your mum with STI results or something like that. Um, number two is be patient. Sometimes it does take a little bit of trial and error to find the best method for you. And number three, say, don't forget condoms because hormonal contraception doesn't protect you from STIs. So you still need condoms if, if that's something that you need. That's that last point is so important. Cause I think that is something that we so commonly forget that once you're on, cause I, I and I think because in our minds, and I think this is definitely from, if you've grown up in my era of the nineties, I feel like when it comes to sex, we weren't, STIs wasn't the heavily thing like that was drilled into us. It was that if you have sex, you'll fall pregnant. You know, that, that whole thing, was it mean girls that he's yeah, like, if you have sex, guy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's just like, and that's the kind of trauma that we've dealt with as a female and having these, you know, beautiful reproductive systems in our bodies that do carry children, but that's kind of the message that we've been sent into our minds. So then when we do get to an age where we become sexually active, the thing that we worry most about is falling pregnant. And we've seen to forget a little bit about the fact that there is lots of other things that we need to be concerned about, such as STIs. Mm-hmm. Um, there mm, definitely STIs are still reasonably common. Um, mm. Still diagnose an STI like every other week. Um, so yeah, still needs to be on the forefront of your mind if if you don't have like a very long term stable partner. Mm. Oh, I would love to do uh, an episode when we go more in depth about this um, into the future. But for those women who are sitting here today listening and go, hear that last point and go, oh, shit, I kind of forgot about that. How regularly should we be getting checked for STIs? Yeah, roughly um, once a year for most people. Um, but if you have additional risk factors for STIs, like you've had previous infections um, or you change your partner quite frequently or maybe you've um, 
had sex overseas or engaged with a sex worker or you're using um, drugs like methamphetamines or IV drugs, then all those things put you at an increased risk. Um, so we'd recommend more frequently, and that can be you know, anywhere between three to six monthly. But um, in general, once a year is, is a good way to do it. And often all it requires is just a simple urine test, which is really easy. Oh, that's good to know. And do you have a motto or quote you could recommend when it comes to this area of our health? If at first you don't succeed, try and try again. So sometimes it does take a bit of trial and error um, and your doctor is the best person to help you safely navigate that process. So you don't have to mm-hmm. suffer with painful periods or risk an unwanted pregnancy just because you tried a pill a few years ago and it didn't work well for you. There's lots of um, options we can try and, yeah, just be patient and work through the process. I totally agree with that. And I think that the more knowledge that we have on this area, the more confident we can be on working with our GPs to find the right thing that's going to suit us. So I love that. Lastly, Kavya, I mean, we could talk for so long about this, but I'm going to, we're going to have to wrap it up. Would you mind sharing with our listeners how they can follow you? Yeah, you can come and find me at Two Aussie Doctors on Instagram where we post lots of health information. And that's with your husband, is that right? Yeah, that's right. He um, works in oncology, so treating cancer, which is completely different to what I do. Um, but yeah, between the two of us, we try and put out posts every um, every few days. And their account is so fantastic. I really, I'll put it in the show notes so that you guys can go check it out. But in terms of just good useful educational health advice I could like you just can't go past it it's so good and you did recently do um, a post on the pill which I will share with the listeners once this does come out um and it's just oh I just love that you use your platform for good and love that you are educating all of us on on topics that I guess we just don't come packaged nicely in school for us we aren't taught about these things so it's great to see that you you are helping us all become more educated thank you I really enjoy doing it Mm. well thank you for coming on and chatting with us today Kavya I really appreciate it and appreciate the time that you've taken out of your day especially because we are recording this on Mother's Day so I will let you go and I don't know if you've got plans for the rest of the day to treat the women in your life or if you're are you a mother yourself? No I'm not a mum but um, I had a good um, phone call with my mum and my mother-in-law as well this morning which was nice but yeah I might ring my grandma as well later today. Oh, good on you. Well, I'll let you go to go do that. But thank you very much for coming on. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of The Wow. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, then I would recommend scrolling back through some of our previous episodes. You'll find a lot of goodies in the catalogue to listen to. Otherwise, we release new episodes every Tuesday, so make sure you subscribe and tune in next week. You can come follow us on Instagram too. That would be great. At the wow podcast underscore for more updates. Lastly, just before I leave you, a friendly reminder that the information shared in this podcast is general advice only and does not take into account your personal situation or needs. Where appropriate, please consult a professional first. Thank you, everyone. Have a fantastic week. I'm on the